and welcome along to What's the Chat with myself, Alison Craig. And John Wood, we're all uh, strapped into our straight jackets, forcing you to listen to us, so thanks very much for that. <laughs> Don't forget, you can get in contact with us, uh, email what's the chat podcast at gmail.com. And so thank you very much for that. Thank you. Yes, indeed. And if you do subscribe and you rate the podcast, then your name will go into a hat. And as of this coming week, we'll be giving away a bottle of champagne every single week. So subscribe for sparklies, basically. Oh, lovely. And John, no, you're not allowed to enter. But uh, thank you so much to Paul Lynch that was in touch, just saying that he's just enjoying the podcast and just nice little 30 minutes away from the day to day and uh, and also to Crawford Geddes who was in touch uh, telling us some of the gigs that he went to in uh, Edinburgh oh. Queen he went to see oh, in wow. 1982 I'd love to have That'd seen them live yeah. Uh, yeah. and the cult in 1984 and the last gig he saw were the Killers uh, in December 19 and that was at the close of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Nice work if you can get it, Crawford. What else I used to go to regularly was the uh, sensational Alex Harvey band. Oh, Uh, They were fantastic. Well, Zal Clements was a guitarist, and he always used to dress in full clown makeup. Uh, And we were doing the show one Sunday, and uh, Bruce Finley and Mark Finley used to come and do the show. And he always used to have a guest from the music world. And he says, uh, hi, John, I'd like to introduce you to Zal Clements. And of course, I didn't recognise them because he didn't have clown makeup on. He had a tweed suit (laughs) on. And such a lovely guy, but oh, definitely one of the heroes. Chris Glenn, who's one of uh, ah, the one of the Alex. Player, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were going to do a gig with him a couple of years ago, and uh, but he was away on tourie tours now with UFO. Right, if you remember them, not a UFO, but the band UFO. Um, but he's he's in the area usually, and I expect he's locked down. We'll maybe try and get him on for some chat because he's got some great rock and roll stories. Oh my goodness me! So missing live music. I cannot wait to go and see something. Yeah, well, we we had ten CC tickets, which I, I mean I love ten CC, and uh, that would have been a great one. So hopefully they'll be back as well you know my friend Andy took the number plate off their touring van in Aberdeen back in the day and was apprehended by the police for doing so and I know he listens to this so I'm not saying your second name Andy <laughs> I and I, I, there's I, always a criminal element uh, yes and I well I interviewed uh, Kevin Godley once and he was just oh, a bit wow. too cool for school actually was he wasn't he? very friendly he wasn't very friendly which one's but, he seen the drummer uh, Lol Creme was the one that I quite fancied. Uh, Kevin Godley's the one with the really curly hair. Oh yeah, um, with the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but he wasn't as bad as Warren Zevon. He was my first ever interview, and he Who was the, the one. Hell is well, when I tell you the song, you'll know the song. It was Werewolves of London. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great song, a sort of rocking, rocking classic, really. And uh, anyway, so that was fine. I was given the job of interviewing him. It was down in London when I worked as a VG, and he'd just come out of rehab. He was monosyllabic. So there was me, you know, nervous Aberdonian and then American rock star with monosyllabic disease. And it was just an absolute bloody disaster, I have to say. Real disaster. Hey, listen, at least you pressed play and record this time. Yeah. That was good. (laughs) Oh, and thank you. Actually, we were talking about having done that Phil Collins thing and not not recording it uh, by mistake, obviously. Uh, But Scott Wilson got in touch and he said he did exactly the same. He went all the way to London to interview. And I know you love this guy, so you will faint when you hear who he didn't record. Uh, Michael McDonald. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll be there, but I'm not going to put on my tape recorder. Oh, what a fool believes. What a fool (laughs) believes. Brilliant. Love the Doobie Brothers. But um, there we go. I got my injection, which was good, uh, like yourself. Uh, I I felt a bit tired and a bit sore muscle after it, but uh, apart Uh from that, everything was fine. A glass of wine, a can of tennis, that soon cured that. (laughs) Uh, Especially if you inject it. Obviously. (laughs) 
No, please don't try that at home. Yeah, but you've not had your COVID jab, have you? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know how much I like my tennis, right? Well, we were doing some, this is is completely true, we're doing some research on the house about who owned it, who owned the land, etc., etc. Guess who owned the land initially? The tennis (gasps) family. So I now have an obligation. Uh, you know, I, John, have, I is, have to do it. I have to do that it. That is fateful. I mean, I, I've never seen you at a party without a plastic bag full of tenants lager. <laughs> it's true, you know. And if I don't know if you're at a party and I see a bag of tenants lager, I know that you're there somewhere. So I'll just go and look for you. <laughs> I can usually hear you right enough. But if I can't hear you, you know, if you've slipped down behind the sofa, I just know you're there, you know. I might try and get myself in a mankini on the back of a can. I suppose that's my ambition, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're trying to sell the stuff, not have it, you know. <laughs> not as a health warning for God's sake. <laughs> that's right. You could turn out like this, don't drink this stuff. Oh, yes, the big red tea, that's my boy. I had quite an exciting day the other day. It just shows you how, you know, small things can become extremely exciting. And I found an unopened box of celebrations in the house. I swear to God, we both ran around the house like a couple of freaking lunatics (laughs) and then ripped the box open and just sat there grinning and stuffing our faces. And eventually, after about half the box, began to feel a bit sick. So I decided I'd put them up on top of the sort of bookcase in the lounge so I couldn't reach them. 30 seconds later, I'm on the back of the chair getting them down again. Just couldn't get enough of them. But, you know, normally that wouldn't be exciting. But, I mean, I haven't been in a shop since March last year. So when you find a little jewel like that, it just makes your day. I'll mention three words to you. Haagen-Dazs strawberry cheesecake. Oh, that ice cream is... Is that your one? Is that your your poison, is it? Oh, oh, gee. I'm more of a salted caramel girl myself, you see. I I had a, 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 a... Great big tub of that delivered from the local co-op. Um, but when Dave was out one day, just because I thought, I'm just going to surprise him, do something nice. So this huge thing of salted caramel ice cream came and then we had, you know, we had something to eat at tea time, whatever. And I went, do you want a pudding? And obviously he went, yeah, thinking I was going to give him some tinned fruit and a yogurt. I went, okay, just sit there then. So I went off and got this massive, great big blob of salted caramel ice cream and covered it in a family bag of Maltesers. I mean, you know, it, it could have given, yeah, could have given a skeleton a heart attack. And I don't think I've ever seen him happier. I could, he couldn't have been happier if I'd told him he'd won the lottery and he was going to live with Julia Roberts the rest of his life. I've ever told you that I was in uh, the West Coast once on uh, in Shieldig Lodge, which is like a fishing lodge way right. across. Uh, David's an obsessive fisherman, um, and I was there. And uh, Louis was behaving appallingly. He was just a wee boy, and he was going through the absolute terrible twos or whatever it was, and he really was being a nightmare. So he was in a, in his bed, supposedly asleep. And uh, Dave and I were downstairs in the bar, had had a drink. We're sitting in the dining room, and all of a sudden the door opens halfway through our meal, and in comes Louis in his pajamas and comes and sits down at the uh, table, you know, can I have an ice cream? It's like, yeah, okay, go on, you're on holiday. So he's sitting there. Anyway, there's a guy sitting at the table next to us with his wee boy. Uh-huh. So, of course, the two wee boys identify that they're both cheeky wee monkeys and they all run off to play together. So that's fine. So the guy's now sitting on his own at the, at the next table. And I said to him, look, why don't you join us? Because, you know, we're all here together. Yeah, at some point yeah. you're sitting on your own. So he did. So he came over, chat, chat, chat. Uh, anyway, it was Jack Bruce from Cream. Oh, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's like, oh my God. I thought he looked vaguely familiar, but I didn't, you know, immediately right. recognise him. So, of course, we, we finished our meal. We ended up at the bar. And in a usual low-key way, I was singing um, Sunshine of My Love to him. You oh, know. brilliant. Um, and, oh, by the end of the couple of days up there, we were the best of friends, you know. Oh, and, wow. Oh, no, it was. It was great. He was a really, really nice guy. And his little boy, Corin, I think he was called, was um, about the same age as Louis, yeah. And they were, the two of them were thick as thieves. So he was like, oh, you know, you have to come down and stay with us sometime in London. Oh, thinking, oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh, you should have. I'd never, oh. ever, ever take people up on that invitation. Yeah. Jack Do Bruce, you? though. That's uh, Jack Bruce, one. yeah. Well, That's the funny thing was, actually, when we were there, his phone went and he picked it up and he went, you know, hi, Mick, la, 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 la. And I was like, oh, is that Mick Jagger? And he went, no, it was Mick Hucknell. I was like, oh, oh. You know, hysterical idiot in the corner. But just to do a programme called Class Cafe. It was basically um, a teenage magazine programme at Radio 4th. And we used to get uh, some of the stars in so the kids could interview them. So doing the rounds was a movie called Treasure Island. And it was uh, directed by Fraser Heston, who was Charlton Heston's son. Oh. And who came along to the interview? But Chaz himself. He did not. Uh, He did. And the kids who were very, very nervous, they ended up, you know, I'm doing nervous. the questions. I'm nervous about that. I know. Well, they, they, they did the questions and they did a good job, you know, but Charlton Heston and Fraser were very, very patient and they talked about the movie and they gave us some prizes and tickets, etc. And then the interview was over and at the end it says, John, do you mind if I... By the way, what do you call Charlton Heston? Chaz, Mr. Heston, Charlton. <laughs> it's a, a big C. What do you call him? You know, I, anyways, it was, it was, I don't Charlton. think the big C would no, be No, probably good. no. No, that would do good. Uh, so anyway, Charlton, he says, do you mind if I, John, if I um, just chat to the kids for a wee while? And he took the time out to chat to the kids about interviews and how well they've done and they're really doing a good job and I'm very proud of you. And they were some great questions that you asked. And I thought, do you know what? You didn't have to do that. That you is know? such a nice story. And just story. a really, really nice thing to do. True story. Charlton Heston. Oh, I don't know if you remember my Liam Neeson story, but I'm going to tell it. He was coming up to Edinburgh to do, um, it was the premiere of his film. It was the boxing film. Can't remember what it's called now. Uh, so we all had tickets to go to the party after the screening. Uh-huh. Um, and the party was down in Leith Town Hall and they'd set up the whole of the inside of the town hall to look like a boxing ring. So it, oh, you know, cool. it looked amazing. Uh-huh. But uh, we all met up before the screening and uh, we were in such a high that we decided not to go to the screening, but <laughs> bypass the film and just go straight to the party. So that's what we did. So rocking up at the party, you know, obviously everybody's full of the film chat and we we're just going, right, where's the bar? Because it was always, you know, it was a right. big bun fight, these things and these days and those days long gone by so of course standing there had quite a few to drink and there he is there's Liam Neeson standing there looking like a handsome gorgeous Irishman in his suede jacket and quite shy I think I don't know if he was shy or not but anyway he was lurking at the side of Leith Town Hall Uh, so of course Gallus and half-cut Aberdonian goes up and goes, hi, Liam. And he went, hello. And I went, um, how are you doing? And he went, fine. He said, what did you think of the film? And I thought, oh, God, I... <laughs> Will I or will I not? And uh-huh. I went, oh, it was absolutely brilliant, Liam. It was really great. What a great film. What a performance. And he was like, thanks very much. So I did lie to him. Absolutely. <laughs> I fear, lied to Liam. Fear faced lie. But I just couldn't come. But I mean, I was just beside myself because he was he was a very uh, charismatic sort of character, yeah. I have to Remember say. Remember the, but, the yeah. place at the, at the festival time, the place to actually see all the stars was at the assembly rooms. They used to have a, a bar in the middle. Yes, bar, and you had to yes. press passes to get in. Anyway, it used to 
keep our mates in as well. And one of my mates was standing at the bar, only his name was, and he was uh, chatting to this beautiful Spanish girl. I think she might have been a dancer or some sort of performer at the festival, and she was absolutely gorgeous. Now, only okay, is okay. Oni's, Oni's all right. Oni's all right, but, you know, he's, he's a bit of a Halloween cake, you know. So anyway... <laughs> Um, he's, he's chatting away, he's chatting away to her and, and he's spending money, you know, and he, he's spending a lot of money, you know, another drink, another drink, you know, and <laughs> you can see them going, this is, this is costing quite a lot, this, you know, and, uh, she finished her fourth drink of champagne. She went, I have to go now. And he went, but the night is so young. And she turned around and goes, I know, unlike you, bye-bye. <laughs> Oh, there's been some shocking scenes in that bar over the years. Um, I mean, the goodies were there not that long ago. And uh, yeah, they got the benefit of the goody, goody, yum, oh, yum. You no, know, well, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, Michael McIntyre, when he first That's started. That's right. I remember seeing yes, yeah, yeah. he was he was so funny. Obviously, he still is very funny. And uh, But, I, I, you know, you were kind of on a high after we'd seen him. He'd been actually was performing at the Pleasance that year. It was very early days. Um, and he was in the bar later on. And of course, again, I, you know, I'm really quite shy until I've had mm. seven lagers. And then, of course, I think I'm, you know, the entrepreneurial agent type. So I just went up to him and I went, you know, you've got a great future ahead of you. You're a very talented man. And he was like, thanks very much. And I said, have you got an agent? I mean, you know, I would be quite prepared to manage you. <laughs> uh, at which point, you know, he introduced me to Addison, his uh, manager, who kind of looked after all the big comedians of the right. day. And uh, obviously he went, it's mine. And I went, OK, fair enough. That's fine. <laughs> who did you meet? Email us with uh, what's the chat podcast at gmail.com. Who did you yes. meet? What Love star did you see? Love Give us a, a wee story. Give a wee story. story. We'll read it out. Love a celebrity story. David played golf with Aidan Quinn, who was uh, a big star back in the day, a big Irish um, American oh, okay. actor. Somebody phoned him up and said, uh, Aidan Quinn, I think it was Fiona Duff who knows everybody, she said, Aidan Quinn's looking for a game of golf, Dave. Do you want to take him out? And Dave's like, yeah, I'm playing on Wednesday. If he wants to come, he can come. Now, David sat and watched Elizabeth Taylor in um, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof with me with Paul Newman at the end of it he turned around and he went my God how could anybody resist Sophia Loren and I said yeah. that was Elizabeth Taylor you know he's got no <laughs> idea who anybody is so, which is good so he ends up playing golf with Aidan Quinn and uh, of course I'm all excited because you know he's an Irish film star and David's playing golf with him so I phoned him on his mobile and said um, you know so he goes hello and I go hi so what was he like then and he went well, you know, he was, I said, is he gorgeous? Is he tall? Is he, what's he like? Is he mean? Did he buy a drink? And David went, you're on loudspeaker. And this face oh, went, no. this voice went, hi, Alison. I'm Aidan. Nice to meet you. Oh, she <laughs> was, oh, no. Oh, no. Foot and mouth disease. It's a classic. When I was at Wesley Hills Education Centre, I taught Tommy Smith, or uh, he was he was around oh, the that time, the sax player at the time. And uh, as we know, later on, he became very famous. He did arrangements for Hue and Cry and had his own jazz orchestra and stuff it like that. He still is. Yeah, still he's now uh, head of jazz at the Royal Conservatoire. So anyway, um, I got a phone call from my mate Dougie Urquhart, who's a great guitarist, actually. So his son's a great keyboard player, Fraser Urquhart, if you get a chance to see him on Facebook, fab. Um, and he said, do you want to play golf? Yeah, I, 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 let's play it at Ratho. And and uh, we went out there and he says, I'll bring along Tommy. I says, oh, that'll be great. I haven't seen him for ages. And Tommy's going to bring along a friend. So we'll make a, a foursome. I said, brilliant. Absolutely great. Got there. And who's Tommy with? But Branford Marcellus. 
Now, Bradford now, Marcellus... That, that, I don't know who that is, He's the guy who played saxophone with Sting for 12 years and was on Live Aid. For heaven's sake! Bradford <laughs> Marcellus. And uh, his brother plays... Uh, he, he plays trumpet. And his father used to play uh, keyboard in New Orleans. And we just chatted away going, what a really, really nice guy. I mean, what was quite interesting from a musical point of view, he says, yeah, I played with Sting for a long time. I says, what's he like? He says, oh, he's, as soon as there's an audience, you know, he starts putting it on a wee bit, you know, the star and all that. He says, but what I see, he, he was okay, he was all right. He says, but musically, it's been very easy for me because, you know, I mean, he's, he's a brilliant musician. I mean, he's right up there. I mean, really top, top musician. He says, and I'm just playing fillers, you know, Sting's playing his song and then I just do a wee sax solo and that's it so I finished playing this thing and now I've got more on trio and I'm on the road he says it's really strange now me being the front man instead of Sting and it's like I've got to put a wee bit more effort in it now you know but he loved his whiskey <laughs> and he loves Scotland and he loves his golf good taste mm. it's going to be a while so we can get in a plane or do anything exotic and fun really we can do it what? what? we can do it on this podcast <gasps> let's do it international intergalactic scots of Broadway Let's find out where we're all going today. Hello to a Mr. Jam. Mr. Jam was uh, an original part of the zoo crew, but now lives in a rather exotic place. Are you there, Mr. Jam? I certainly am. Mr. Jam is now Mr. Jam from Java. Oh! It's a long way from the Maybury roundabout where I used to do live outside broadcast. Now I'm sitting at a roundabout in the seventh largest city in the world, Jakarta. And how hot is it with you today? About 35 degrees, beautiful blue skies. The population of Indonesia is nearly 250 million. It's a big, big place. Over 17,000 islands, which of course includes Bali. Did you just zip round the islands then when you want a weekend away? Yeah, well, you've got to be careful which airline you use, but yeah, you can. <laughs> and um, the, the nature here is just incredible. I mean, this, this is the home to the orangutans and the uh, Komodo dragons. I mean, these exotic animals. What do you see when you're looking out your window right now? What do- I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge metropolitan city. It's a fantastic city. I mean, it's full of life. I live right in the centre of Jakarta, and we've got about 45 golf courses within about a one-hour drive. There's wonderful scenery and greenery and mountains, and so the courses are spectacular. It's the tropics. I mean, it's, it's very, very exotic. And the Indonesian people are just fantastic. They're the most friendly people I've ever met and worked with. You have over 700 different languages here in Indonesia. I mean, we're blessed with fantastic weather. It gets rainy. I mean, we are in the middle of the rainy season here. So, goodness, when it, when it rains, it's like standing in your shower at home. And it's warm as well. Oof. Nice. Do you want to tell us about some of the people you've met in Java? A couple of our prime ministers. Uh, Conservatives and Labour, mm-hmm. and some politicians, some pop stars. Tell us about the pop stars. We like the pop star yeah. stories. Liam Gallagher, he was here pre-COVID. He was, he was gigging here. What a great guy. Lovely, lovely guy. Lovely character with his partner, yep. Eric Clapton hasn't stayed here. I met him in Singapore. He was staying at a hotel. I knew the general manager, and I said to the GM when I arrived at the hotel, hey, you know, you've got Eric Clapton staying with you. He said, who? I said, my <laughs> God, Eric Clapton. So anyway, he arranged for me to meet him, and I met him. I met Eric. And said, hey, Eric, uh, I'm Andy. And he said, yeah, so what? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And what was was it like? It was a great concert. Thinking of your cultural heritage, Scotland, what do you miss? I miss family and I miss miss friends. Is square sausage and black pudding on your list, Andy? Well, you know, it's funny because I'm the chieftain 
of the Java St. Andrews Society this year. We were going to do a, uh, a Burns supper. We couldn't get the haggis, straight haggis you can buy in Singapore, but we couldn't get it into the country. So you can get haggis, you can get black pudding, but you really got to go to Singapore for that stuff to get the right quality, John. But so what, is, what does Chieftain of the Pudding Race do then? What does it, the job entail? <laughs> well, we're trying to open it up to Indonesians who have um, a love for Scotland. That's how we want to expand our base and our society. And uh, we've had great success with that. So how many members have you got? Uh, ten. <laughs> <laughs> our membership has grown last year to 600 from a base of about 368. So uh, you're very, very, very proud of the progress we're making there. So if people are listening, and we all are dreaming now of going somewhere far and exotic when we're allowed to, would you recommend Java as a place to explore potentially as a holiday destination? Yes, I would. Another question a lot of tourists ask when they're traveling abroad, I mean, is it safe? Yes, it's safe. It's very safe. So friendly. And and, uh, it's like all these things. Where where there's trouble, it's only a few people and it's it's bad people. You know, they, they, they take security very seriously, which is great. Well, it certainly sounds like um, a wonderful place to be as as we're talking to you. Well, I'm in my cupboard, John's in his bedroom and uh, you're in the gorgeous hanging gardens of Java and Jakarta. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure, Andy. You'll obviously be bilingual by now with Indonesian. Can you tell us what is goodbye in the local language? Well, in Bahasa, Indonesia, goodbye is Salamat Tinggal. had a really bad haircut for my graduation. Uh, because it was graduation in Glasgow, everybody hairdresser was mobbed. So I just went to this guy and I knew it was a bit bad because he didn't, he had a sink, but he had no taps that worked. It was a <laughs> tube that came from the boiler and he started for washing God's my hair. And I went, boiled your life. <laughs> oh no. Was, oh, anyway, no. I got my hair washed and I'm thinking, and he comes out with the scissors, which look like garden shears. And I came out of there and one side of my hair was longer than the other. And my mother said, you look like a squirrel. Where have you been? <laughs> a squirrel? <laughs> well, David had a really funny experience last year. He went to a Turkish barber to get his hair cut and he came back looking really fraught. And I said, what on earth's wrong? And he went, he set my ears on fire. I went, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, yes, the guy just ask obviously because you know it's not the sort of thing you would expect to be asked because you'd never expect anyone to do such a thing but he set his ears on fire yep, and yep. Uh, and he didn't even I don't think he even had hairy ears so God knows what was going on there oh, if you had that bizarre. done yeah it's bizarre it really is bizarre they just flash the flame in front of each ear and you think if this catches fire to my hair but luckily I've hardly any hair so I was okay if it hadn't been in the mullet Quite days, it could have been dangerous. The, uh, yeah, the Ronco hair trimmer. My mum used to go mad oh, at that. Was absolutely, oh. I looked like a boy all the time. And I literally used to have to go down to the post office to get her stamps or whatever it was. And they used to go, right, you're next, laddie. And I'd have to go up and say, I'm not a laddie, I'm a lassie. Because I just looked like a boy until I was about 15. Yeah, I was the same. I looked like a girl uh, because of my long eyelashes, long hair. And people used to take oh, me for a girl. Yeah, did yeah. they? No. I had some lovely rara skirts now, ladies. But the loons for us were the best. Loons, you used to get them in Coburn Street, one ninety nine for a pair of loons. And they were really high, sort of low waisters, actually. And they were really tight in the thigh. And then from the knee, they just, they just went off to Guatemala, basically. They flapped, 
like sails in the wind. And then there were those people who thought, no, these flares and bell buttons aren't wide enough. We'll cut them, and then we'll put a piece of other material in. And so it made them bigger, but oh, loons. Couldn't oh, beat there loons. There some terrible, terrible trousers around in, in the old days, like Oxford bags as well. They were absolutely huge. And if you already had a big bum, as I did, they, just, they were the least flattering things. I mean, it was like walking around in a five-man tent. And I remember uh, it was Anne Hunter and I, and she had a pair that, you know, they were literally, they were huge. You could have had six or seven people in each each leg they were so big uh, and I shut one of her uh, Oxford bag legs in the d- car door oh, no. and she didn't speak to me for about two years well funny enough not speaking to friends that happened to me my pal Steve Sproul and he'll still claim this to this day he was a very good sportsman I was just very average I got away with it but he was a, a real keen sportsman rugby table tennis squash everything in fact he became a, a professional squash player oh did he yep and uh, we were playing table tennis one winter and it was on my mum and dad's dining room table which had segments on it so it had little ledges on either side so I beat him for the first time the ball bounced on a ledge and went off at an angle of 180 degrees and they couldn't get it and I won well we were 14 he took the huff and he stormed out the house but I got my payback because as he went out on the path he slipped and he tore his high waisters well, we're, ne- we're never taught for two years. We're never taught for two years. Isn't it funny? And he still I, claims that the table wasn't right. It wasn't right. It, 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 these things, though, can go on. I mean, my, my yeah. uh, dear friend Fiona McCardy, she and I were both major Donny Osmond fans. Um, and I was a member of the fan club. And uh, I promised her that the next poster that came from the fan club, she could have. Uh-huh. Um, and when it arrived, it was far too nice. So I decided I was going to keep it. So that was the only <laughs> argument we ever had in our our friendship right. was, was over a Donny Osmond poster and it was I mean it was it was a visceral argument oh, you know I mean it really mattered because oh, that yeah, poster yeah. was fabulous well, we were two years silent and we were at the same school two years silent two years silent over a table tennis oh. game basically <laughs> I spoke to this guy, I sat next to him somewhere and uh, he was a a headmaster and he'd just taken um, a single sex school into being a co-ed school. And Uh I said to him, well, you've seen the whole thing from, you know, both sides. I said, what's generally the difference would you say between boys and girls? And he went, well, he said, boys, he said, can have an argument at break time and they can, you know, leather each other and uh, they'll be the best of friends by lunchtime. He said, if girls uh, fall out over something at 11 o'clock in the morning, they might never speak to each other for the rest of their lives. Really? Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. And the other thing to add to that is when you see boys fight, it's like, you know, Queensbury rules and boof, boof, boof. Fight goes on. Girls. Oh, she tried to break up a girl's fight as a teacher. Gee whiz, you take your life in your own hands, I'll tell you. Is that oh, right? they're vicious. Vicious, oh. vicious. But I remember you used to say, and I, I, I've got a theory on this myself now, that your kids, when you were teaching the kids, they used to go mad when it was a full moon. Yeah, it was a teacher that taught me this in primary school when I was on uh, teaching practice. And she goes, uh, two things that will change the mood of children when you teach them. One is a high moon and the other is high wind. And if you get high two of them, yeah, and if you get two of them together, ho, ho, ho. well, if you think a full moon, loon, la luna, lunatic, that's where it comes from. It's a well known. Werewolf sparking at the moon. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's a well known established fact. But high wind and a full moon, ho, take the day off. How interesting, isn't it? I mean, I have to say, when I, I occasionally have a really bad night's sleep, I mean, right, there's no point in going to bed, bad night's sleep. And quite often I'll just go, oh God, and I'll check and it's a full moon. 
Yeah, yeah. It just it affects you. I think I must be a werewolf, but I'm all right. No! <laughs> Life's too short to watch crap telly. What's the chat? We'll keep you right. With Catherine Aiken, our reviewer, saying what's good and what is Catherine, how are you? Hello, I'm very well and all the happier for hearing that jingle. Oh, well, I'm de- I, I thought you deserved a special jingle for a special girl. Oh, thank you. Now, thank you. You're going to give us a wee round up of, of what we can be watching this week. So what's first and is it a goodie or a baddie? Well, I think the jury's out on this one. It's behind our eyes and it's on Netflix. Um, the first episode has left me a bit underwhelmed, oh. but already people have binged the series. It stars uh, Tom Bateman, who was last seen in period drama Beecham House in uh, Behind Her Eyes. Unfortunately, he's got a really dodgy Scottish accent. Oh, I cannot be doing with that. Why don't they and just employ a Scot? Exactly. And there doesn't seem to be any reason, although I've only watched one episode, why that should be. So the jury's out, mixed reviews, and uh, yes, I've only watched one episode. That accent yes. really gets up my nose there. Unless he's suddenly, you know, revealed to be an Englishman pretending to be a Scot as a plot line further on in the series, I suppose. But it doesn't Well, it could be, because it does seem as if it's a psychological thriller, but with a paranormal twist. They actually inhabit each other's bodies. So there's this huge other element of action taking place on an astral plane. So it's actually, a what's behind it all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, well, astral planes away. Oh, hi, the new. Yes. And then there's also an earlier episode where we see his younger self, who's also sporting a dodgy Scottish accent <laughs> as well. You know, so I don't, I don't really know why that is. Why can't you just employ a Scot? There's plenty of us up here and some exceptionally talented actors. I agree. Beat. I agree. OK, we'll leave that exactly where it deserves to be and we'll move swiftly along. What are we on to next? Well, we're now on to a new series of Gogglebox, which is coming to our screens on Friday. And there's going to be a few new stars in the new series. Lee and Jenny are definitely back. So that's the 17th series of Gogglebox. And it's still so popular. Do you like Gogglebox? I love Gogglebox. I love it. It makes me laugh like a dream. Recommended. That's what you can do next Friday night. Next is something a bit more serious. It's a documentary framing Britney Spears, which is now on Sky and now TV and it's looking at the career of the troubled star through a post Me Too lens and also at the campaign her fans are waging for her freedom from her father's conservatorship as an independent guardian of Britney's career and assets so that's on Sky and now TV now. Have you watched that yet? No but I will because I I, I, I like a documentary uh, especially with somebody as controversial as Britney Spears yeah she's she's certainly uh, divided opinion over the years so I'll definitely be checking that one out. Yes, and the next thing is the line of duty coming back. Oh, uh, series yes. 6 is the BBC say it's going to be on in March. They haven't given a date yet. So if you've missed or haven't started the first five series, get on to it now. It's all there on iPlayer. Your favourite team will be back. Martin Compton, Vicky McClure and Adrian Dunbar and expect some natty waistcoats, lots of acronyms and some choice turn of phrases from Mr Dunbar. Oh, smashing. So we've got quite a week of uh, viewing ahead. Really enjoyed the Tom Hanks movie that you recommended last week. I loved that. You're a good reviewer. You're a good oh, recommender. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank You're you. Really well. no, thank you. 
Life's too short to watch crap telly. What's the chat? We'll keep you right. With Catherine Aiken, our reviewer, saying what's good and what is The amount of money that was put into that jingle. We have a jingle fund that's now up to £2.35. And uh, most of it has been spent on that, so thank you very much for that. That's the, I think. So. Listen, thanks to um, Catherine because that's basically uh, my entertainment lined up for for the whole week. Well, that's yeah, fantastic. It just saves us wasting our time watching crap. Um, so great, thanks, Catherine. And uh, now, well, next week we'll be coming along with all sorts of other bits and bobs. We're going to be taking a rather exciting trip, aren't we, John? Yeah, we are. There's a, we're going all the way to New Zealand because you have a good friend there, Alison, don't you? Yes, and he is working at the moment on the uh, Lord of the Rings set for the new TV series. So we're going to be chatting to him, hearing what life is like in New Zealand, slightly different to what we're experiencing, I think it would be fair to say. Uh, And also, as we mentioned earlier on, we have a bottle of champagne to be giving away. If you subscribe to the podcast and if you review us, then we will put you in the mix and we will make sure that uh, somebody wins a bottle of champagne every week. It might be you. Why not? Or if you send on a very expensive postal order to the email, which is what's the chat podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. You never know if it was in my back pocket, it could come through your front door as a bottle of champagne. I'm just very worried that you're still thinking about postal orders in 2020. <laughs> I think what we're going to do is take you out and get Henry the Hoover into your head and get you sorted out, John Boy. It's been a joy and a pleasure, and I miss you so much. I want to hug the very skin off the top of your head, but we'll have to wait a while for that. Meanwhile, take care, my love. See you next Bye. time. Catch Catch what? Catch you. Catch you later. <laughs> Catch you. <laughs>